bet you get jiggle, take a break. Yeah. I keep my anchor inside, but live in water. You ain't jiggle, catch a drift. Big breeze, Chicago wheel. I'm pulling the leg away, get for now. They can see that I'm working on sale, they for real. Out of your checks and they put to the bill. When they keep me stable, they know I got favor, they can see my career. I know I make it look cool, but I'm.
Welcome to Bridge Youth. We are so stoked you are here. Service starts at 7. That's in 5 minutes. Um, please be sure to use the bathroom before service starts. That would be a good time. And if you're here, your family has, and we are so happy to be spending this night with you. Thank you. 
So everyone actually stand on your feet real quick. We got a family time question for you. Olivia, what's our question for today? So do you guys think Lightning McQueen has life insurance or car insurance? (laughs) Does Lightning McQueen have life insurance or car insurance? Talk to the people around you. Chaz, I gotta know, what do you think? Life or car? Either life, so it's life. Come on, Thank <laughs> you. 
Everyone, you guys can go ahead and take your seats. As we do, really quick, who voted for life insurance? Does he have life insurance? Oh, that looks like a majority right there. Who said car insurance? Oh, we got a couple. Okay. I said life insurance too. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Alright, guys, next up, y'all, you guys know it, you love it. We got the game Shoot Your Shot. All the people we chose for Shoot Your Shot, please come up to the stage right now. Come on up! While they're coming up, I'm gonna explain the rules real quick. So, if you look right behind you, Kenneth, you wanna wait for us real quick? He's. Kenneth, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, so right by them, we got the basketball hoop. We got two balls right here. We got three contestants coming up. Oh, we got one right here. Perfect. So what we're going to do, we're going to bounce the ball once. You got to shoot it into the hoop. If you make it, you make $70 this week. If you don't, it goes up uh, 70, to 75 next week. Do you guys understand how much $70 is? That could buy you like a whole ticket gas, my guy. And that's valuable <laughs> right now. <laughs> all righty, who wants to go first? Have you boys? All right, they all pointed to you. All right, say your name. Ethan. 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 All right, you ready? Give it up for Ethan. Give it up for Ethan. You got three shots. Bounce it on the ground at least once. Ooh, okay, okay. That was your test run. The, the first one's always the worst. Oh! Chills oh. <laughs> got caught lacking. Here we go. Last shot. A little higher. That's the one. Ah! Thanks for playing, Ethan. Appreciate it. All right, next up we got... Grayson. <laughs> Give it up for Grayson. Let's go. All righty. First one's always a test shot, so don't worry about this first one. Close. Ooh, okay, okay. It's got a good feel for it. Ooh, a little baseball? Oh! oh, 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 oh. Just over. Third time to charm, maybe? Ah! You're so close. Thank you so much for playing. Last but not least, we have... Carter. Carter! Alright, you're our last contestant for the day. Let's see it. That's Come on, Carter, you got it. Two more shots. Take your time. Oh, oh, oh it's so close. All right, all right. Before you throw it, what's your game plan to make this in right now? To make it go in. That's a good plan. Give it up, bro. Let's go. Carter. That's the one. Oh, my gosh. Dang. That might be one of our closest shots yet. That was crazy. All right, y'all, so now next week is going to be $75. So if you guys haven't played yet, talk to the people who are going to serve as host next week, and you guys can maybe play for $75. All right, so now we got guys' uh, announcements, y'all. So if you guys are not signed up for summer camp yet, 
Do it right now, guys. Do it this week. Do it when you get home. Any of that. Because at the end of this week, or by July 1st, sorry, the price goes up to register. So if you guys haven't signed up for summer camp, do it ASAP. You don't want to buy it for a higher price than you can do it right now. Summer camp is going to be July 25th to Thursday, July 28th. It's an awesome time. A bunch of people in here have uh, been there before. It's a super awesome time. Great experience. You guys go. And if you guys haven't already to sign up to serve at Kids Camp, make sure you do tonight. You can go find Keno, Corey, Amber, any of our leaders. We'd love to help you guys get signed up. It's going to be a great week to serve and just a great way to get um, plugged in. So if you haven't already, do that. It's going to be Monday, June 27th to Thursday, June 30th uh, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. So come let us know if you want to sign up. You should do it. It's really fun. Next up, y'all, on Sunday, we have a service takeover, guys. So we're not going to be in here on Sunday morning. We're going to be in the main auditorium for the main service. So no connect groups. So we get to all hang out in there and show the older people what we're made of. (laughs) Seriously. And also, guys, no youth next week because we're going to have kids camp. It's going to be crazy. So that's another plug. Um, Yeah. Sign for uh, kids camp volunteering. (laughs) So, yeah, no youth next week, though. Don't forget. And if you guys don't already follow us on social media, take out your phones, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at BridgeYTH underscore. You can stay up to date on all the things that we have going on at you. And last but not least, y'all, we got a bucket way back there in the back by the double doors. You guys can go ahead and give back there if you guys want to give. Or if you guys don't want to do it in person, you have like an online one you want to do, you go to the website or the app. Uh, the website's uh, thebridgechurch.tv or, yeah, app right there. Yeah. That's all. And that's all of our announcements. So as we head into worship, I'll have you guys all stand up and come to the front and let's worship. Yeah.
with what's going on in life and what might be happening in your current season of life. But can I tell you, in every single season of life, God is worthy of our praise. In every single season of life, God is still worthy of our worship. And I don't know about you, but for me, for many, many seasons and difficult times in my life, worship's one of the things that's got me through it. Worshiping God's one of the things that helps me to keep going. Worshiping God's one of the things that helps me to take that next step. Because what it does for us, it's more than just singing songs. It's more than just, just clapping or, for my favorite people in the middle of the room, jumping. And I was coming for all the hats. I was just hitting all the hats in the first song of worship. It's more than just having fun and, and dancing and singing and clapping. It's proclaiming the goodness of God, which sometimes our hearts need to be reminded of how God, how good God is. Even in tough times, God is still good. And so I want to remind you of that tonight. Whatever life might look like, can I remind you, God is still good. And and my favorite line in this song is, is the part where it says, fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. And if God loves me, this all-powerful God, this God that when, when He speaks, solar systems are created, when He opens His mouth, the, the sun is created, this all-powerful God who came as a person named Jesus, who died and rose from the dead with no help from anyone or anything else, if that God is madly in love with me, then you know what? Everything else in life is just going to work itself out. And I seem to have this this sort of confidence about, you know what, no matter how difficult life is, no matter what's going on in my life, I know it's going to be all right, because that God is madly in love with me. Amen. Hey, you're a bridge use. We, we love having students in every single part of everything that we do. And we love every single week we've been having a student uh, kick off our night. Before we get into the message, we love having students pray. And so tonight, uh, Hannah's going to lead us in prayer before we get into the message. Dear Lord, we thank you for the God that you are. We thank you that by your will we are here tonight and we get to worship you every single Wednesday without fail, God. We thank you that we have breath in our lungs to praise you tonight, God. And so we just ask humbly before you that you would speak to every single heart in this room, God, that you would have a word for everyone in here, that they would leave with a whole new mindset on who you are and who they are in you, God. And so we just pray that you do a work in this room tonight. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. One more time. Can we give God praise, Bridges? Hey, before you head back to your seat, I don't know that you know, you may not be able to tell because, you know, the light's hitting you from, you know, a bad angle or something. Hey, you look good. Look at your neighbor tell him, you look good. You look good. Hey, tonight, the one and the only Wyatt Staggers is preaching. So you better get ready to hear a word. Why don't you high five three people on the way to your seat and tell them, get ready.
Amen. How are we doing, Bridge Youth? Let's go. Let's go. Hey, for everybody who's inside of the room and watching online, uh, we are so excited and so grateful to have you here with us, whether you are in person right now or you are in your living room, in your bedroom, watching this, however you're watching this, we're excited to have you guys here with us tonight. We like to greet all of our guests, whether it is your first time or you've been here before, by saying this. We are here to build you up, not beat you up. Let's go. We back you. We love you guys so much. My name is Wyatt. I will be your flight captain this evening. So please keep all of your hands, feet, legs, your person inside the cockpit at all times, please, because we're about to take off right now. We're going to be in the book of Mark tonight, the book of Mark chapter 5. Book of Mark chapter 5. And before I officially get started with my message, I would just like to thank, of course, Pastor Corey for the opportunity to be able to speak to you guys tonight. Uh, Corey, you are one of my best friends, but you're like a brother to me also. And I'm very grateful for you and for this opportunity and to be able to lead here with you at Bridge Youth. So thank you so much for this. And um, like I said, my name's Wyatt. Let's get started, people. I have been, I've been so ready for this message today, I've, I've been having those moments. I had work today, and at work, I kept on thinking to myself, man, I feel like I have to do something tonight. I feel like I'm, I've, I feel like I'm like, supposed to be preparing for I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I'm preaching tonight. And I kept on being reminded of that, not that I forgot, but it's that I was so excited and so ready uh, to be able to bring this word to you guys. So, like I said, we're going to be in Mark chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 24 through 26. We're going to be reading a story through the New Testament. So if you guys could turn to that right now. If you hit the book of Revelation, turn back while you still can before your Bible opens up and a portal forms. Um, so in the honor of reading God's word, would you stand as we jump into the verses tonight? Like I said, Mark chapter 5, verses 24 through 26 says this, Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this moment. We thank you so much for this evening. Lord, I pray that I would simply get out of your way and that you would have your way over tonight, Lord. Help us, God, to hear from you. Help us, God, to listen. Help us, Lord, to have an encounter with you tonight, Lord. Meet us right where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, the uh, message for tonight is going to be titled, Opportunity of a Lifetime. Opportunity of a Lifetime. And I just have to ask you guys this. Have you ever had an opportunity in front of you so good that you just couldn't pass it up? Anybody? Anybody, whatever that opportunity was. I had that opportunity a few years back, um, and it was more of a petty opportunity. i got to be real with you. Here's what happened. So I was driving back home. I was in Orange County. It was late at night, driving back home. I'm at a light. I'm second in line, right? So there's a guy ahead of me. There's a line behind me. And you don't drive, or at least not most of you. But have you ever been in the car, and you realize, man, the guy right behind me, or woman, you never know. But the person right behind me is really impatient, right? Like they honk at everything. They're trying to get you to go faster. This was the person who was right behind me, right? Just trying to paint a picture for you. So I'm second in line, and the light turns green. 
immediately. Someone say immediately. As soon as the light turns green, the guy right behind me, huh? It was, I was impressed. It was, he was like in sync with the light, right? I don't know if it was Justin Timberlake or whoever, but he was right there. It was like green, boom, I'm going to hit the horn. And so here's the thing. Like I said, most of you guys don't drive. I get that. But you're going to learn a thing or two about driving right now because there is an etiquette when it comes to who has the honking authority, okay? So here's the thing. Because I was second in line, technically I have that authority bestowed upon me. And I get to determine, okay, what, what type of length are we talking about, right? Are we talking like two seconds, three? For me, I'm pretty generous, right? If I have the fruit of the Spirit. If I, if I don't, I'm, I'm like one second, boom, we got to get going. You know what I mean? So I had the authority to make that move. But the dude behind me decided, nope, we're going to go. We're going to go right now. And I'm thinking to myself, okay. Right, I like, I like crack my neck a little bit. I'm like, all right, that's how we're going to do it. So we turn left, and of course the guy behind me, you know, goes, goes into the right lane. He starts going forward, and sure enough, we get to a red light. So I, pu- I position myself right behind his car. And I swear, when I tell you I was ready, I used to run track, and I always remember, like, like the, the starter would say, set, and you get ready. I was so ready. Even before I got to the light, I just had my hand like this the whole time. I was so ready for this because I knew exactly what I was going to do. And as soon as the light turns green, I hit the horn, but it gets better. It's like an infomercial, people, but wait, there's more. The guy who was in front of me at the original light, the guy who was ahead of me, is right next to the guy. So he's right here, impatient man is right here, and I'm right here. As soon as the light turns green, not only did I honk my horn, but the dude right next to him honked his horn also. And it was one of those moments where I was like... Like, what just happened right now? And it was the perfect opportunity for me just to be petty. And it was even better because this guy was thinking the exact same thing that I was thinking. And he was going to do it no matter, no matter what, even if I was going to honk or, or whatever. And the best part was with the guy who was ahead of me speeds off, probably out of embarrassment, right? I mean, come on now. And so he speeds off. And as I'm driving, I'm just laughing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? I feel like I just won the the NBA championship. I was like, this is the greatest moment of my life. And so we keep on driving, and I'm about to pass the car who also honked. And I looked over, and him and I made eye contact. And I have never felt more close to a brother than I did within that moment. We made eye contact, and we were just like, yeah, that's right. We, We showed that Honda. That we're not messing around right here. And man, I, like I said, it felt like a championship. I should have had like a press conference afterwards, you know. Yeah, you know, we just, uh, we work really hard uh, all throughout the week just um, practicing our timing. It's teamwork, you know. This game is all about uh, having a team around us. It's not about me. It's not about him. We're just in the gym. We're working hard. And, uh, you know, we're going to be ready for the next game. So at the end of the day, thank you so much. I'm going to go back. Uh, I'm going to go back home. So that was an opportunity that I just couldn't pass up, right? And I'm sure that we all have opportunities, whether it's a petty opportunity, whether it's an opportunity to talk to the person that we like, whether it's an opportunity to 
join a team, whether it's soccer, lacrosse, football, whatever it may be. We have all had opportunities in our life. And the sermon, in a sentence for tonight, not only going off of the title of the message, but also going off of the story, is that the opportunity of a lifetime is to have an encounter with Jesus. The opportunity of a lifetime is to have an encounter with Jesus. You see, this woman we read about in Mark chapter 5, there's some things that we know about her already, right? She's going through it. She's going through a struggle. She has this issue of blood. It's like a medical mystery where she constantly bleeds. And she has been going through this for 12 years. Now, let me just see some hands in the room. How many of you guys right now, you are 12 years old? Right now. So for your entire life... This woman has been going through this issue. Now, for most of us inside of this room, 12 years is the majority of your life. And I say all of that to say, as we already know, 12 years, that's a long time. And this woman has been going through this struggle for 12 years straight. There has been no breaks. There has been no middle period of like, well, things are starting to get better. Because the story tells us that things are starting to get worse. And she's been to all the doctors. And she's she's tried all of the all the medicine and, 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 and everything possible to try to cure her from this disease, but it never ends up working out. And she's left with nothing. And now, all of a sudden, because I'm going to spoil the story for you guys, at the very end of this story, she has an encounter with Jesus. And from that encounter, she not only gets healed of her disease, but she also has her life changed forever. See, I'm not talking about an experience. I'm talking about an encounter. A few months ago, I went to go see Kanye and Drake. For me, that was like, that was a life-changing and a crazy experience. But here's the thing. Kanye doesn't know who I am. Drake doesn't know who, Drake, right? He doesn't know who I am. I didn't have an encounter with them. I got some cool videos, some cool pictures, and dope. I can say that I was there. But having an encounter with someone is different. Having an encounter with someone can change your life. Having an encounter with somebody is like sitting down for coffee and just talking with them, right? It's intentional. It's meant to be. You're having a personal connection with that person. And I believe that tonight God wants to have an encounter with you. The opportunity of a lifetime that is standing in front of you is to have an encounter with Jesus. The exact same way that this woman had an encounter with Jesus and her life was changed forever. Jesus wants to have an encounter with you tonight. And so throughout this message, what we're going to do is that we're going to look through this story found in Mark chapter 5, and we're basically going to piece it out. And we're going to go step by step as to how this woman got into this encounter, and then we're going to reenact it. And then during response time, we're actually going to put into action what it is that we've been talking about tonight. So the very first point for us tonight is position yourself. Position yourself. We're going to be going back into the story, Mark. Chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 25 to 27, which says this. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. How many of us know things, things happen when you hear about Jesus? So she heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Position yourself. How many of you guys, you play sports? Or you've ever played sports before? Or you watch sports? You know what I'm talking about when I say sports. So when it comes to sports, one of the most important things that you have to keep in mind 
when it comes to being successful within your sport, is that you have to position yourself correctly. You have to be in the right position in order to make a play. For me, I grew up playing soccer. And soccer, as I've gotten older and as I've watched it more and more, I realized that soccer is like a giant chess match where you have to position yourself strategically on the field in order to be open at the right time and in the right position in order to either make a play or make a goal. For all my football players out there, could you imagine this? If your coach gave you a route to run, you're a wide receiver, maybe you're a running back, and he told you, hey, what I want you to do is that I want you to go up five yards and I want you to cut out. Could you imagine if you just went up five yards and you went straight into the middle of the field? Where are you? You're out of position. You cannot make a play because your quarterback is thinking, well, he's going to be right here at this time. And then he looks and you're right in the middle of the field. And that linebacker's looking at you like, oh, I hope you catch the ball. I hope you get it right now. But in order for you to make a play in sports, you have to what? Position yourself. And the same thing can be said when it comes to receiving from God. The same thing can be said when it comes to having an encounter with God. Because I think if we're being honest with ourselves, a lot of us come into Bridge Youth wanting an experience with God, but we're not positioning ourselves to have an encounter with God. We come in with what we're going through, with our struggles, with our baggage, with all of these things, but we're not positioning ourselves the right way in order to receive, in order to hear, in order to get something from God. And the way that we do that on a spiritual level is that we have to do this little thing. It's a, it's a, it's a small word, but it has a lot of power in it. And it's, we have to be humble. Humility is going to position us into receiving from God. What is humility? Humility is recognizing that I have a problem and I can't solve it. Humility is recognizing that I am going through something in my life. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's, maybe it's a mental health crisis. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in. Maybe it's something that you're struggling with on an emotional level, on a relational level. It is something that you are going through and you recognize in yourself that I am not the answer to this. I cannot help myself. I cannot get myself out of this situation. Because how many of us know it's sometimes easier for us to convince ourselves that I can get myself out of the situation that I find myself in. Sometimes it's easier for me to think, well, I can just... If I'm strong enough, if I have the ability, if I'm able to, if I just try hard enough, then I can get out of this addiction. Then I can get out of this relationship. Then I can get out of this toxic season of life that I find myself in. But humility is recognizing this is what I'm going through and Jesus is the answer. This is what I'm going through and I need a savior. I cannot save myself from this situation. I cannot save myself from this struggle and I need somebody to help me through it. But how many of us know that sometimes that's not always true? How many of us know that a lot of times this is what we do? We're going through a struggle, and we just like to convince ourselves, I'm, I'm not going through anything. Ah, it's no big deal. Come on. When people ask you, you know, oh, how's, how's life? How are you doing? You're like, ah, it's good. You know, it's fine. It's cool, you know. But you're actually hurting on the inside. You're actually going through something on the inside. Can I just let you know, you cannot receive help if you don't know that you need help. You cannot receive help if you don't know that you even need help. If a lifeguard is watching you drown, but you don't even think that you're drowning, they're not going to be able to save you because you're just going to be saying, hey, I, hey, I got it, right? Get out of the way. I'm not drowning. I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm all right, right? Famous last words, essentially. You cannot receive help if you don't know 
that you need help. Could you imagine if this woman who was going through this, this issue of blood for 12 years, could you imagine if she just, if she just told everybody, oh, I'm not bleeding. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm, I'm really good. As you guys can see, I'm not bleeding. But yet, people can tell that she's bleeding. People can tell that she's going through something. And again, a lot of times, that's how it is with us. Other people can see that you're bleeding, but yet there's this pride inside of you that convinces you that you're not actually bleeding. There's this pride inside of you that you might even get defensive when people try to help you. Because, well, I mean, you're convincing yourself that you're not bleeding. So if somebody tells you, hey, man, you're going through this, how can I help you? Well, you know, what do I have to do? Can we set up, an, you know, can we set up a, a coffee date? Can we meet up sometime? You're going to be like, whoa, 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 where, where's this coming from? I'm not going through anything. I'm not, I'm not suffering. And we try everything, right? Just like what this woman did. She tried everything. I almost imagine, like, back in that time, she opens up, like, the biblical yellow books, and she starts, you guys don't know what yellow books is. Um, yellow books is this book where it has a bunch of numbers in it. You call them. Well, you guys don't know what call them. Okay, you text them. Um, but I could almost imagine she is going to every single doctor, every single person that, she's know, that, that, that she knows. She's asking people, can you help me? Can you help me? She's spending all of her money, all of her time trying to find a cure for everybody just to say, can't help you. Can't do anything about it. And all of a sudden, she hears about Jesus, and now Jesus is her last option. Jesus does not have to be your last option. Jesus can be your first choice. He can be the one that you go to first. And I understand that for a lot of us, maybe you didn't grow up in church, maybe, you've, maybe this is the first time that you've ever heard of Jesus or the story about Jesus, maybe this is the first time that you're ever here. Welcome, we're happy that you're here. But maybe you're here right now and you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I, I didn't even know that I needed Jesus. I didn't know that I couldn't do this on my own. Guess what? You don't have to have Jesus be your last choice. You can choose him tonight. But the thing that we have to do is that we have to position ourselves to have an encounter with him. And the first thing that we have to do is that we have to have humility inside of our hearts to say, okay, this is what I'm going through, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm not ashamed to raise my hand. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to, to stand up. I'm not ashamed to worship. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to ask God to save me from this thing. Why? Because I know that he's my answer. All these other relationships failed. All these other substances failed. All these other people in my life have let me down time and time again. And now I have Jesus in front of me, and I know that he's my Savior. I know that he's my answer. So we have to position ourselves. The next thing that we have to do is that we have to push through. Push through. The next part of the story in Mark chapter 5, verses 27 through 29 says this. It says, she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd... And touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. When we position ourselves, the next thing we have to do is that we have to push through. Because the moment that you position yourself to receive from God, the moment that you position yourself to have an encounter with God, there's always going to be an obstacle ahead of you. There's always going to be a choice that you have to make. There's always going to be a decision that lies ahead of you. Do I push through what's in front of me, or do I just let it go? Do I, do I wait for another time? Do I just think to myself, well, well, God's going to be there later on. 
You know, I, I, I could start following Jesus now. I could receive my miracle now, but I don't really feel like pushing through because I'm too tired. I really don't feel like pushing through because, you know, I just have a lot of doubt in my heart and I'm still trying to figure this thing out. I can't really push through. Man, I can't raise my hand to accept Jesus inside of my life. I can't raise my hand to, uh, to the worship music because what are my friends going to think? What are my friends going to do? The person who invited me, what are they going to think? Are are they going to think of me differently? See, this woman, she had to literally push through the thing that she was afraid of. The reason why I say that is because back in these times in Israel, they had this thing that was called ceremonially unclean. And essentially what that meant was that you could not go into the temple and worship. You could not have sacrifices to, uh, to have your sins be atoned. There, it was a very religious society at this time, and the entire society was based on this whole idea of the law. And there was portions of the law that basically said, look, if you have an issue of blood, if you are bleeding, then that means that you are ceremonially unclean. Which also means that if you are around anybody, everybody who's around you is also ceremonially unclean. And there's a process on how you can become clean. There's a process that you have to take in order to re-enter the temple. There's a process that you have to take in order to sacrifice whatever it may be, to atone for your sins. There is a process, and if you're ceremonially unclean, then I can't be around you. Because if I'm around you, then I'm going to be unclean. And it was this domino effect that happened. So for 12 years, this woman was isolated. This woman was quarantining. This woman was not around anybody. All of her friends, all of her family, all the people who were meant to help her couldn't even be around her because they didn't want to become unclean. So she's isolated for 12 years. Could you imagine not being around anybody for 12 years? You're just by yourself. Even the most introverted introverts shivered at the idea of that. It's like, well, I, I mean, I have to be around somebody, right? Like, at least, I, at least I, like once a month, right, or something. But could you imagine not being around anybody for 12 years? And when you're around people, they look at you different. Because, oh, well, you're, the, you're that sick girl. Oh, are you the one that's bleeding? Oh, man, get away from me. Stay, stay out of my way. Don't even, don't even come into the same proximity as me. So she has been rejected from society for 12 years. She's been self-isolating for 12 years. She has been being told by doctors time and time again, yeah, there's nothing that we can do for you. You are uncurable. We tried everything. Now give me your money, and I'm just going to walk out of the door. So if you can put yourself inside of her shoes, the thing that she would be the most afraid of are crowds. Because if she touches anybody inside of that crowd, they're all unclean. If she's next to anybody in that crowd, they are all unclean. And if any one of them find out that they're unclean and then they find out who did it, there's no telling what they would have done to her. So she literally had to push through the thing that she was most afraid of just to get to Jesus. Just to get to the answer that she was looking for. A lot of the times, this is what we do. When it comes to us following Jesus, we see opposition and we think, I guess God doesn't want me to do it. I, I, you know, I, I was going to raise my hand, but then that thought of what my friends are going to think of me came into my mind at the exact moment that I was going to raise my hand. Maybe that's God telling me that I shouldn't do that just yet. You know, I, I was, I was going to come up to the front to worship, but within that exact same moment, somebody dropped their backpack in front of me, and, 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 and it was like a barrier, so I couldn't, get, I couldn't get to the front. And I think within that moment, that was God telling me that I shouldn't go up to the front right now. 
Now that sounds, if I can just be frank, that sounds kind of dumb. It sounds kind of silly. But a lot of times, I think if we're being real, when God calls us to do something, do we not look for those excuses not to do it? Don't we kind of look for those moments to be like, well, I guess this is God telling me that I shouldn't do it. Let me just tell you this. The presence of opposition does not mean the absence of God. The presence of opposition does not mean the absence of God. Now, hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is, if you are in a bad relationship, do not think to yourself, well, this is just God's calling because it's really difficult right now. Well, I'm crying every single night, but this is just God's calling because there's opposition and that means that God wants me to do it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when God calls you to do something, don't be surprised when there's something in your way trying to stop you. Don't be surprised when out of nowhere there's a person that comes to mind that stops you from going up to the front. Don't be surprised where as soon as that moment hits your heart and you feel like there's a moment that you just have to kneel down in the front. There's a moment where you can press into worship. There's a moment that God has in front of you. Don't be surprised when something tries to block you from doing that. Because again, maybe that's just God saying, you got to push through it. You got you to keep on going. And I want to I illustrate that tonight. I'm going to go down to the very front right now. Hey, how's everyone going? Um, I, I asked one of the students during Hangout, uh, Lucas, could you come up to the very front? Can you make some noise for Lucas? Let's go. It was funny. When I was trying to find a student to have this example with, I look over, I see the mullet, and I was like, can you pray for me afterwards so that I can? I'm just kidding. Um, but what I asked Lucas to do, that I asked Lucas to be the obstacle. I want to I have it be represented on a physical level what happens to us on a spiritual and on a mental level. So Lucas, could I, could I just have you just, just stand like this right here? Like, okay. Now, I asked Lucas, I'm going to try to walk past him, and he's going to stop me. Now, like I said before, there are no NFL scouts. There, there is nobody from the NBA here, so you don't have to... Go looking for a scholarship, okay? These knees, 27 years old. I'm just kidding. They are. But anyways. Um, so this is what happens, right? I'm, I'm just going to sit down right here, right? So I'm going to act like I'm a student right now. i got a full beard. I go to Linfield, and I'm, and I'm 15. Um, so, you know, I was listening to the message, and I just feel like, man, God is just calling me to something, right? He's calling me to, to, to give my life to him. He's calling me to do something within this moment, right? Response time comes. Maybe it's me lifting my hands. Maybe it's me kneeling in the front, whatever it may be. So physically, I'm going to represent what happens to us on a spiritual level, right? So me standing up is positioning myself to have an encounter with Jesus. So I stand up and me trying to get past Lucas is me trying to get to where God is calling me to. But he's going to be the obstacle, okay? So I feel like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I'm going to try to get to my miracle. And it's like, well, I mean, the person who invited me, like, gosh, what are they going to think? No, I'm going to try to do it anyways. Well, I mean, this is my first time here. I don't really know who Jesus is, so, like, should I even go up to the front? Like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Well, wait a minute. Like, what if my parents find out? And we laugh, but that's, but that's honestly something that we, that we think about. 
Now, what if my dad, who's an atheist, finds out that his son just accepted Jesus into his life? What kind of conversations do I have to have then? No, 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 I'm going I'm to go for it. Well, wait a minute. I mean, my girlfriend's here. Dude, what we were doing over the weekend is way different, is way different than what, like, I'm about, like, man, I'm such a hypocrite right now. Because the thing, that sin that I committed, the, the habit, the addiction, the doubt, the insecurity, that's, that's stopping me from, from getting to where God wants me to go. And we laugh, but the same thing happens to you. And I think we laugh because we've all been there before. And we're going to be there tonight, believe it or not. And can I just let you know, the same way that in the story, this woman had to push through the crowd. You, I, I can almost imagine this, right? Jesus is in the middle of the crowd. He's walking through. So the crowd has to create some type of space in order for him to walk through. But how many of us know, sometimes when there's a crowd, like, let's just be real. When there's a fight that happens on, the, on, on school campus, and you're the one that's like Naruto running towards the fight, just to see what's happening. How many of us know that a lot of times, where it's the most congested is where all the action's at? So when this woman got to the very center, before she even got there, I could only imagine that she had to push through the crowd the hardest. She had to push through the crowd within that moment. And yet on the other side of that wall was Jesus. On the other side of the wall was her miracle. On the other side of that wall was the thing that was going to heal her. And I feel like this is for somebody tonight. On the other side of your obstacle is your miracle. On the other side of that wall that's in front of you, that you just keep on hitting, on the other side of that expectation, on the other side of that doubt, on the other side of that relationship that is stopping you from receiving what it is that God has for you, that is on the other side of the obstacle that's right in front of you. Can I just let you know, sometimes you have to hate your struggle more than your fear. You have to hate your issue more than the thing that stands right in front of you. Because the thing that stands right in front of you might just stop you from having your life be transformed or having your life just be a normal, average, mediocre life. Your calling is on the other side of the obstacle. How much do you care about your calling? How much do you care about your parents' salvation? How much do you care about your campus and your friends? Because you come to youth all the time, and you lift up your hands during worship, and you're here within the moment, and you're thinking to yourself, man, if only I can invite my friends to this. If only I could get my friends to this. Your friends being saved is on the other side of your obstacle. Your friends coming to church is on the other side. Your friends' eternity is on the other side of that obstacle. The freedom that you could encounter and have from your addiction, from your habit, for your family even, is on the other side of your obstacle. So how much do you hate your issue as opposed to your fear? Because I feel like for a lot of us, we get to this point and we're like, no, nah, maybe they were right. I'm just going to sit right back down. No, maybe, 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 what, maybe what I heard is actually true and, I, and I'm just going to... I'm just going to not even try at all. But your miracle, the thing that you have been praying for, 
for 12 years. I know that's an exaggeration, but that's how long this woman was going through it. She had to go through it for 12 years to get to the point where she said, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. You know what? I'm going to push through. I don't care how many people are there. I don't care how many people look at me funny. I don't care how many people think of me as weird or dirty or unclean. I am going to get to my miracle. Because I just let you know, sometimes nobody can get to your miracle for you. Nobody can get to what you're called, what you're called to for you. You have to be the one to do it. So sometimes you have to hate your issue and your struggle and the thing that you're going through more than the fear that's right in front of you. Lucas, it was an honor sharing the stage with you. Thank you, man. But what do you have to push through? What do you have to get past? What is that thing that has been stopping you from from pursuing after God wholeheartedly? What's the fear? What's the doubt? What, What is it? Because I already know, as soon as I said that, there were things that came to people's minds. What is that thing? Because you are going to encounter it tonight. I'm just letting you know. So we talked about positioning ourselves. We talked about pushing through. And now we're going to get to the last point of the night. So if I can have the band get into position, but can I have Levi Herrick specifically just come up on keys, please, and thank you. The last point, guys, you don't have to clap for me every time. It's okay. Um, (laughs) So the last point for tonight's message is press in. Press in. Press in. Mark chapter 5, verses 30 through 34, says this. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. So this woman, she positioned herself. She realized that she was obviously going through something. And she realized that there was no other answer until she heard about Jesus. And then she thought to herself, wait a minute. I've heard what Jesus is able to do. I've, I've, I've heard him cheering people with leprosy, people who were blind, people who weren't able to walk. I've heard him do all of those things. Maybe he can do the same thing for me. So she positions herself. And then she has to make the decision to push through. Right? Push through the crowd. Push through her fear. Push through the thing that was standing in front of her miracle. Push through the thing that was potentially going to stop her from having this encounter with Jesus. But then, all of a sudden, this is what she does. As soon as she receives her miracle, she takes off. She tries to leave the moment. And Jesus, being who Jesus is, he recognizes that something just happened inside of that moment. Wait a minute. Some, there, there was someone who touched me intentionally. There was somebody who was seeking after me deliberately. There was something that just happened inside of that moment. Who, who was that? Who did that? And, of course, Peter, one of his disciples, says, Jesus, come on, man. You see all of these people here. You see this whole crowd. 
everybody is pressing on you. Everybody is making contact with you. How can you ask yourself, who touched me, when everybody is here? But Jesus continues to look. And he says, no, 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 this was different. This was somebody who had purpose. This was somebody who knew exactly what they were doing. This is, this is somebody who had the faith to push through this crowd in order to get to me. And as she's looking, and, and as Jesus is looking around, this woman is scared and she's frightened. But yet she just received her miracle. So, so why would she be frightened? Why should she be afraid? She, she just received the exact thing that made her clean within society. She just received the same thing that she was looking for. She just received the exact same thing that she was needing this whole time. And now, all of a sudden, when she receives her miracle, now she wants to flee. Now she wants to run. She wasn't afraid trying to get through the crowd, but she was afraid when Jesus was trying to look for who touched him. She was afraid when Jesus wanted to know who who got the miracle. And as I was reading through the story, I realized, and I asked myself this question, is it possible that even though she was healed physically, she had the mentality that she was still sick? Is it possible that even though the bleeding had stopped, that she still thought that she was bleeding? Even though she was healed from the same thing that made her unclean, and now she's clean, is it possible that she still saw herself as unclean? as dirty, as not worthy enough to be in the presence of God. And for a lot of us, we go through the exact same thing. For all of my Christians in the room, for all of my people who have been going to church, for all my people who have been going here for a while, I know when Pastor Corey or whoever is speaking that night, whenever they do the altar call, there's a good amount of people who are accepting Jesus for the very first time. But then there's those people who have already accepted Jesus, who are already saved, who are already forgiven, who are the first ones to raise their hand during the altar time, during the salvation call. Because you just want to make sure. Because you never know. Because possibly you think to yourself, well, the first time didn't count because I sinned within that time period, so now I have to be saved again. And you have the mentality that you are unforgiven even though Jesus already forgave you. And you see yourself as dirty. And you see yourself as unclean. And you see yourself as somebody who is not worthy to be within the presence of God. So as soon as the altar time comes up, you're the first one to raise your hand because you do not think that you're forgiven. Because you think to yourself, well, I just have to keep on being forgiven. I just have to keep on, you know, having this grace be over my life. I just have to keep on accepting Jesus into my life for the entirety of my life. And I understand the heart, but can I just let you know that you are saved? That you are forgiven? That Jesus calls you son. He calls you daughter. That he loves you. That he supports you. And I understand that there's students inside of the room who have a messed up past. And who have something in their life that keeps on reminding them of what it is that they did in the past. Can I just let you know, you might still have the mentality of your past self, but Jesus already forgave you of that. Jesus has a new future for you. Jesus has something new for your life. Jesus has something that he wants to do inside of your life. But you can't get to your future self if you're still trying to stick behind your past self. You cannot receive what it is that God has for you if you're still trying to have your life in the past. And you might be saved, 
but you still have the mentality that you're unforgiven. But can I just remind you really quick, can I just speak some truth over your life? That in John 8, verse 36, it says, whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. So that means that even though you might feel like you're unforgiven, you're forgiven. Even though it might look like you're dirty and you're unclean, you're clean. You're made righteous in the eyes of God. It might seem like the past is still following you, but the truth is is that God already sets you free from that. Jesus already sets you free from those things. You might still have the mentality that you're unforgiven, but you are saved by the name of Jesus. And this woman, I think, is going through the same thing. She's going through this sort of identity crisis. She's afraid to be in the presence of God. Can I just let you know, you don't have to be afraid to be in God's presence. Because God is not afraid of your dirt. God is not afraid of your sin. God is not afraid of the thing that makes you unclean. In fact, Jesus came down to this earth, sent by God, to take your dirt so that you would be made clean. He took the very thing that was going to kill him just so that you can be made free. So Jesus is not afraid of your dirt. He's not afraid of the thing that makes you unclean. And this woman is in this, is in this moment, and she's frightened, and she's scared. And I think it's so interesting because it says within certain translations that she began to tell Jesus the whole truth. She began to tell him the whole story, how she got here, what happened to her life, how she was raised, all of these, all of these things. She told her all, all about the 12 years that, that, that she had to go through with this issue of blood. She told him the whole truth. And I wonder how many of us, when was the last time that you told God the whole truth? When was the last time that when you were in the presence of Jesus, that you just laid out your whole life story to him? And you told him the whole truth. He didn't leave any of it out. You weren't thinking to yourself, man, what is, what is Jesus going to think about me if I tell him this? What is Jesus going to do if I, if, if, if I tell him what it is that I've gone through? Jesus already knows what you went through. Jesus already knows what you're going through. But it's a relationship with Jesus, and he wants to know from you what it is that you're going through. And for a lot of us, maybe tonight is the night that you tell Jesus the whole truth. Maybe tonight is the night that you don't give him the Cliff Notes version of your life or of your past. And maybe you ask Jesus specifically exactly what it is that you need. Maybe tonight's the night that you tell Jesus the whole truth. And within this moment, Jesus is talking to her. And I've, I've wondered to myself, why is it that Jesus did this? Because he could have easily just left it at, well, she's healed, she's gone now, so I guess she'll just live with this miracle for the rest of her life. All right, boys, let's, let's keep on going. Because Jesus was going somewhere. He was going to perform another miracle. And he stops everything that he was doing just to have this moment with this woman. And I've always wondered to myself, why is it that Jesus was so deliberate in knowing who touched him? Because Jesus wasn't just concerned with her physical body. He also wanted to heal her soul as well. He wanted to heal her spirit. He wanted to heal her heart. Because here's what Jesus does. Jesus calls her daughter. And then he tells her, your faith has made you well. Now go in peace. So the two things that he gives her, or I guess the three things that he gives her, is of course healing. But the other two things, he gives her identity, and then he gives her peace. 
the two very things that those that that sickness stole from her because she wasn't known as her name she's not even given a name within this story she wasn't known by her first name she was known by her struggle She was known by her sickness. She was known as the person who you should not be around. She was known as her past. That was her name. And that was the identity that inevitably she put upon herself. But Jesus broke that identity crisis and he calls her daughter. Within that moment, he gives her identity. I wonder how many of us have been called by our past, have been called by our struggle, have been called by the exact same thing that we've been going through. And Jesus wants to say, son. Jesus wants to say, daughter. Jesus wants to say, you are love. You are chosen. You have a purpose. You are not your past. You are your future. Because I died on a cross so that you could have my name on your life. Because he not only he wasn't satisfied with just a temporary miracle because this woman inevitably passed away. She's no longer here. So that miracle that happened that day was only temporary. And Jesus said, no, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't just want to touch your body. I don't just want to heal you. I don't just want to perform this miracle over your life. I want to heal your soul and your spirit. Because yeah, this miracle that happened, that's just going to be temporary, but I care more about your eternity later on. The same things that this sickness stole from this woman are the exact same things that Jesus restored over her life. I feel like inside of this room, the enemy has stolen some things over your life. The enemy has stolen identity. The enemy has stolen purpose and calling, self-esteem, security, confidence, your peace, your faithfulness. He's stolen certain things away from you. And you've just been walking around just thinking, yeah, this is how it is. But I believe that tonight, Jesus wants to restore the very thing that the enemy stole from you. Jesus wants to do some work inside of your life tonight. Jesus wants to have an encounter with you tonight. And I believe that all throughout this room, we can all experience the exact same thing that this woman encountered that day. Where not only does a miracle happen over her life, but a miracle happens over her spirit as well. So right now, within this moment, what I want us to do is that I want us to begin to exercise the message. Like I said before, position yourself, push through, press in. We're going to do all of those things tonight. We're going to have the opportunity to position ourselves and and, and push through the obstacles and press into the moment with Jesus. But the first thing that we have to do is that we have to recognize that we need a Savior. And there's a Savior in the name of Jesus who came down from heaven. There was a gap that separated us and God. And Jesus wasn't on the other side of the gap saying, hey, I'll go halfway, you meet me there. Hey, if, if, I can, if I can just go into the middle of this gap, right, you can make it the rest of the way, right? Jesus said, I'm going to close the gap. I'm going to be the bridge for this gap. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the people. I'm going to go to earth. I'm going to leave heaven, this perfect place, in order to go and die on a cross, die a death that I did not deserve, and I am going to take the dirt and the sin away from these people so that they can be free. The first thing that we have to do to have an encounter with Jesus is that we have to position ourselves to say, I need Jesus. I need him in my heart. I need him in my life. 
And so right now, all across this room, can we bow our heads? Can we close our eyes? And this might be a moment, too, where you have to push through. This might be a moment where, for some of us, the obstacle that's standing in your way is the person, the person right next to you. The obstacle that might stop you from receiving Jesus isn't even inside of this room. Maybe it's your own doubt, maybe it's your own fear. But this is a moment for us to receive the very thing that we need at this whole time. So all across this room, when it counts to three, when it gets to three, I want you to raise your hand. Unashamedly, with confidence, knowing that Jesus died on the cross just to have this moment with you. So one, two, three. Raise your hand right now if that's you. If that's you all across this place. Amen. Amen. You guys can put your hands down. As a family, could we all repeat this prayer after me? From the bottom of our hearts, don't just say it, just to say it, but really mean it. Have it be straight from your heart. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my life. I give you everything. And from this day forward, I will follow you. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we make some noise for everybody who accepted Jesus? It's the best decision that you can make in your life. But here's the thing. We're not done yet. Because, again, we have to live out what we just talked about tonight. That was just the first step. Position yourself. So now what we have to do is that we have to push through. So could everybody all across this room, could we all stand right now? Nobody move yet. Nobody comes to the front yet. But what I want to do, for those who want an encounter with Jesus, for those who know that they need an encounter with Jesus, for those who, who are humble enough to admit to themselves, man, I need Jesus, I'm going through this thing, I need a miracle, I need him to answer, I need to have this encounter with him tonight. I'm going to tell him the whole truth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press in to that moment. I'm just going to worship him all across this place. If you need an encounter with Jesus, this is the part where we push through. Come down to the front right now. Right now. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. For some of us, that was, that was a tough first step. For some of us, that was difficult. For some of us, that was something that we really had to think to ourselves about. People are still coming. People are still walking down. See, here's the beauty of it. Is that not only do we want an encounter with Jesus, but God wants to encounter you as well. Jesus has something for you. And for some of you, like I said, you had to push through a lot just to get up here. Your heart's racing. You're nervous. You don't know what's about to happen next. But this is a moment that Jesus just wants us to press in. And here's the reality. Is that for everybody here in the very front, that's awesome. But for everybody who's still in their seats, Jesus wants to encounter you too. Because there might be a moment tonight where you're in your seat and you feel like it's time to raise your hands. You feel like it's time to sing. You feel like it's time to even get on your knees right where you're at and just worship God. You feel like there is a moment where I just have to press into God's presence right now. 
Don't let you just being at your seat stop you from encountering Jesus right where you are. Because all across this place, what I want us to do is that I want us just to let go of everything around us. I want us to let go of the distractions. I want us to let go of who's on our right and who's on our left. I want us to let go of all of that tonight. And I want us to truly press in. I want us to truly have a moment tonight where if you have to have your eyes closed the entire time, have your eyes closed the entire time. If you have to just have a moment tonight and you just have to, you just have to kneel and you just have to tell God your whole truth, do that. Whatever it is that God is calling you to, whatever it is that you feel like the Holy Spirit is prompting on your heart, do not be ashamed to press into that moment. For some of you, you have to go and talk to a leader. For some of you, you have to go and find your connect group leader. For some of you, you have to go and find somebody to talk to and ask them for prayer. Maybe you have to tell them the whole truth. Maybe you have to let them know what you've been going through. Maybe you have to be vulnerable within that moment and ask them for prayer. Don't be afraid to do that if that's what God is calling you to. Maybe you just have to lift your hands. Maybe you have to put your hands out right in front of you to receive what it is that God has for you. Whatever it is, don't be afraid to press into that moment. Because the living God is here right now. And I believe that God wants to restore some things tonight. I believe that there's some some people inside of the room who have had their innocence stolen from them. And God wants to restore that tonight. I feel like there's people inside of the room who have been giving their life to addictions and habits and thinking to themselves, well, this is all that I am. God wants to restore some freedom inside of your life tonight. For some of you, it's your self-image. And the only thing that you see inside of yourself is your past. The only thing that you see inside of yourself are the things that are wrong with you. The only thing that you see inside of yourself are your scars or your flaws. But God wants to restore confidence and peace inside of your life. The same thing that the enemy stole from you are the same things that God wants to restore to you. And now that you're here inside of this moment, don't be afraid to press in. You're already here. Don't be afraid to press into the moment. All across this place, can we just start right now? Could you, could you close your eyes? Could you just lift your hands right now? Nobody's looking. Nobody's even paying attention to you. This is between you and God. God, we love you so much. God, we thank you for this moment. Lord, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you for the vulnerability that we can have in your presence. The moment that we can share inside of this time, Lord. God, I pray that you would move all across this room, God, from the front to the back, to everybody who's right up against the stage, to everybody who's back in their seats, Lord. God, I pray that you would speak to leaders tonight. I pray, God, that you would speak to middle schoolers and high schoolers tonight. I pray, God, that you would, that you would touch those who have just graduated tonight, Lord, who are worried about their, their purpose and their calling and who have doubt over their lives, Lord. I pray, God, that you would simply do what only you could do tonight, God as we're in this moment, and as we worship you.
know why it said pushing through. The woman with the issue of blood pushing through the crowd. And sometimes we need boldness and courage in order to do something that grand or that big. And you may think, you know, it doesn't seem so big to someone else, but it's big to me. There's a trick I have. I call it a party trick. If I need to do something bold or courageous, I pray for seven seconds of boldness and courageous to do the thing I need to do. So for those of you, tonight, tomorrow, the next day, this weekend, next month, you're going to continue to push through. Pray for boldness. Pray for courage. Pray for seven seconds of it just to get your momentum going and to get moving forward. Can we give it up for Wyatt for that amazing message tonight? Hats off to you, Wyatt. And if you gave your life to Christ, that is so exciting. We're so excited for you. Make sure and DM us at Bridge Youth Next 7. We'll send you seven videos that will walk you through the next seven days. Any questions you may have, we want to connect with you. We want to help you. And if you don't have Instagram, find a leader. We'll get it to you some way, somehow. And then also, this Sunday is Youth Takeover. So the 1130 service will be in the main auditorium for service. You can be down on the front for worship and then hear the message all together. And then last but not least, next week, there is no youth. Because it'll be kids camp. And we'll be hanging out there anyways. Hanging out with a bunch of elementary schoolers. So if you are not serving and you want to, there is still time to serve. Find Amber or Corey and they'll get you plugged in. But remember, there won't be youth next Wednesday. All right, guys. Have a great night. We'll see you guys later.